Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Touchdown, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He banked it in! Can you believe it? Gamecocks have won this game! You are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Watch him celebrate now! Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm telling you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. Greetings and good morning and welcome aboard. Welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics and built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com. Gamecock owned and operated and you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. If you're in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, you're in luck. One of the United States' best builders can make your life everything you want to make it. Matter of fact, Alicia sent me some some pictures this morning from a couple of new builds that they just did. And when I say a couple of new builds, they're doing they're they're putting about nine families under contract a day. Wow. Let that sink in. Yeah. That's how busy they are. That's how cool these things are as well. They call them barn dominiums. Their houses is what they are, and it is amazing. The Barn Dominium Co. Dot com. JC Phil, JB here until one o'clock uh, this afternoon. Carolina baseball is on the diamond at 4 p.m. this afternoon. As a matter of fact, they're going to try to get back on the right side of things. And we might see, hopefully, some familiar faces in familiar places as Carolina is trying to get right on the injury front. We'll get to that in just a little bit. However, John Whittle did post the news last night that the outlook for Eli Jerzenbeck, it ain't good at all. As a matter of fact, and that is pretty much what we figured. So Carolina going to try to uh, piece that pitching staff together down the stretch and get them going again and ride it right into the postseason. So plenty on baseball today. Uh, we all, Obviously, we'll talk about some Gamecock football and recruiting. There are some uh, some very if, – if you haven't really kind of thought about it and pieced it all together, guys, on a national on the national scene – there are really some interesting quarterback battles that are going to be happening come August that we'll all be monitoring because those QB battles are all at schools that are annually fighting to win a national championship. I And I can't really remember the last time that we went into a season where all of these programs don't really know. I mean, they think they know. But I don't know if they do. They've got projected starters, but they've got a lot of talented guys. So that's certainly something that's on the agenda 
And a little bit of baseball news as well nationally. I don't know about y'all, but Major League Baseball, as we know, is trying to add uh, some, a couple of cities. You know, they want to expand. There's a new player in the market, and they have thrown out a real proposal as well, and it is a southeast city. So we'll uh, we'll have some fun with that as well. Speaking of baseball, guys, hat tip. I texted him yesterday because he's such a wonderful person. He's a better person than he was a player, and he was a hell of a player. Grayson Griner has hung it up, uh, retiring from the game of baseball, former catcher at South Carolina. If anybody ever met Grayson or anybody in his family, uh, you, you knew quickly how good of a dude he was. He's a great ball player. So hat tip to him for an awesome career in college baseball. And one other little nugget as I take up all the time and don't allow J.C. or Phil to talk. Uh, this is not related to South Carolina football, but it is a really neat football note for the state of South Carolina. The Citadel has scheduled a home and home with the North Dakota State Bison. And North Dakota State will be coming to Charleston August 30th, 2025. So just a couple of seasons away, they'll be coming here, and the Dogs will return that trip in 2027. Maurice Drayton, of course, is the new head coach down there. So that is pretty cool because North Dakota State is, is the uh, the end-all, be-all of, of that level of football. With all that said, I apologize. My time is up. I'll ding the buzzer and send it over to you. And, uh, J.C., we've got a, a surprise guest coming up at 12.05 today on our show that uh, just confirmed that for us finally. Absolutely. Robert Brooks, uh, former Gamecock great, will join us at the top of the second hour. Certainly um, very happy to be following up with the, the near uh, soon-to-be South Carolina, uh, State of South Carolina Athletics Hall of Famer. Uh, Brooks was uh, a great player at South Carolina when I kind of first started following it, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't really understand football till I was nine. Uh, the game, I mean, just kind of like, oh, the what happens here? I mean, I guess uh, I was a smart kid, but I, I don't know why I didn't really grasp football. But uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I grasp baseball and, and basketball pretty well. I mean, but those are kind of simpler games. Uh, but uh, boy, that eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, that was kind of when I came into my own as. Uh, someone that followed the Gamecocks. And, you know, obviously, uh, after losing Sterling Sharp and Ryan Bethay off the 87 team, you know, people were wondering who's going to play receiver. Well, here comes this freshman, Robert Brooks, making one-handed catches and, and things like uh-huh. that because they expected Ster- – I mean, Sterling left, right? I think I think Sterling may have been a senior. Uh, but Bethay uh, ended up being academically ineligible, and, and Bethay was the number two guy on that 87 team. So, Brooks – Step right in, had a fantastic career, and then uh, lo and behold, with the Green Bay Packers a few years later, he stepped right in for Sterling Sharp again yeah, uh, and had a great career. So um, it'll sure be interesting to, to talk to him about everything. You mentioned the Major League Baseball expansion. I'll let you bring that up, but uh, we have a guy, Mark, who uh, tunes in every day from sunny Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I guess it's sunny out there most of the time. Uh, and I really hope they get the Oakland A's. I, I hope they figure that out. I, I think Vegas as a town has been shunned by pro sports for so long and sports in general. And now people are kind of more open to it. Uh, it's a great place to have like a national championship game. I think the final four is coming to Vegas soon. Uh, it, it absolutely can support it. Um, 
you know, the Raiders have pretty big road, like road crowds <laughs> when yeah. they, they play, but uh, you know, like, like the bears uh, went out to Vegas to play. I think last year there were probably 10,000 Chicago fans there. Uh, but you got all the hotels, you got stuff to do. It's a fantastic destination. Uh, I think it absolutely uh, could support major league baseball. If for anything else, you're, you're going to have these weekend series or during the summer week series where, you know, a, a group of Cubs fans, they're going to buy tickets and fly out, you know, and watch the Las Vegas athletics or, or whatever. So I, um, I hope that happens, but uh, we'll talk about the, the, the expansion to other markets soon. I I don't know if Charlotte makes sense for one or not. I don't know if Nash – I know Nat, Nashville's group is, is pretty strong uh, and insistent on it. Uh, Salt Lake City entered the mix a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago. I think that's uh, intriguing to a certain extent. But um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, I mean – I mean, Phil, I Orlando is who I'm talking about. The Orlando Dreamers is what they would be called, and they've submitted a, a stadium plan of $1.7 billion, which would be right across the street uh, from uh, SeaWorld. Um, it would also have a 1,000 hotel rooms adjacent to the stadium. But I, I, I think we're – and not to get too caught up in, in all this off the top of the show here, but – I think where they're going to have some some issues is the fact that the entire state of Florida has failed with Major League Baseball support. They have not failed necessarily in success. And we get remember the the Marlins have won two World Series, you know, ninety seven and oh three for and just until two seasons ago, that was more than the Braves had won. You know, which is hard to think about it. The Rays are the best team in baseball right now, and they're yet 25th in attendance, which is awful. The ballpark's terrible. I've talked to Steven Garcia about this a bunch. You know, he's like, man, I, it's just a terrible place to go watch watch him play. They've tried to – they've thrown out some ideas about moving the field, you know, the facility to a different part of town where it's a little bit easier for people to walk to it and make it only maybe 30,000 seats or less and things of that nature. Um, so, but Orlando is either trying to bring one in themselves, just like an expansion franchise or pull it from one of those guys. If they pull it, then I, you just said it, JC, I think Nashville is primed for a, um, for an expansion franchise in in major league baseball. They're in a perfect location. And and Nashville's big enough to support it now, even though they have the Nashville Sounders. So I'd be interested to see what happens with their AAA team. It would go away, of course. But and then you got to go out west somewhere. It's hard for me to imagine anything but Vegas and Nashville. I just I don't see Portland. I don't see Montreal getting another one. I'm with you, JC. I I don't think Charlotte can support one. And and Orlando, you know, whether they get one or not, if they get one, you know, it might just be because one is moved there from Tampa or from yeah. Miami. I think that's a logical jump for the Rays. I mean, if, uh, you know, they don't get, uh, you know, it's just right down the road. I mean, you know, in, in Orlando, again, because it's a lot like Vegas in terms of, uh, you know, vacationers and, and, and people like that, you know, to support it, uh, even if they don't have a lot of local uh, support, but I think at some point you do have to ask yourself, 
is the state of Florida really set up to support a, a franchise in the state? Because, like you said, the Marlins have they, they've both had success, but their their attendance is god awful. They built the Marlins a new ballpark, tore down the Orange Bowl to do it. That that hadn't helped, you know, because yeah. they have a dome now. Uh, I just think Floridians probably have other things to do during the summer than to sit out of the ball yard, right? Um, and uh, but Orlando may be a different deal because it's you know if they build something that's you know indoors that's climate controlled and all that, you know, you have uh, thousands of people, millions of people visiting Orlando all the time. That that area around SeaWorld that's close to Universal Studios and all that, and there are a ton of hotel rooms uh, through there and. Uh, you know, the Braves, when they did spring training at Disney, uh, I know they don't anymore, but when they did, I went out to one of those games one time when I was down there, and it was packed. I mean, the Braves mm-hmm. were a good draw. Uh, and so we'll see. I, you know, out west, Portland, with all the crap they're going through as a city, I, I think there's no way, you know, that they've got to clean that mess up. Uh, I think Salt Lake City is intriguing because, you know, you're really in that market only competing with the Jazz. You know yeah. the Utah Jazz. That they they're kind of like Charlotte used to be before they had the Panther one 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 pro sports town, or, or like Nashville was when they just had the Predators. Um, you know Nashville, I think as far as the people involved, they have you know the strongest group. My my question is though, people in Nashville, they're either like they they most of them pull for the Braves, right? Uh, but then there's well, a big contingent of Reds, Cincinnati Reds fans there, yeah, and St. Yep. Louis Cardinals fans there. Um, so you kind of be divvying it up a little bit, but uh, it's such a growing town and a, and a, and a transient town and uh, has a big track record of rallying behind its pro franchises. The Predators draw oh, amazingly. Best fans uh, in and, hockey. And the yeah. Titans, Titans do too. I mean, the yeah. Titans is up and down as they've been. So, you know, maybe that's uh, maybe that is a logical next step. You know, for Major League Baseball, I, I just know that the A's need to get the hell out of Oakland, uh, and the Rays need to get the hell out of Tampa or St. Pete, as you will. I mean, I've I've been to both of those stadiums. I'm surprised the the Coliseum in Oakland hasn't been imploded yet. Uh, and they used to have the Under Armour All American Football Game uh, at Tropicana Field. And uh, as bad as I mean, you could just tell in that in that place is just terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a lot like the uh, what used to be called the Trans World Dome at, in St. Louis, uh, where the Rams used to play. It, it's one of those stadiums that they built. It was really nice when they built it, but they didn't really build it with a future in mind. There's very few luxury boxes, things like that, which are, are uh, the, what every franchise, every college team, pro team, whatever. If you're trying to monetize sports. Luxury boxes are a cash cow. There's not a lot of those. I mean, so, you know, they, they have to do something. And um, I, I think that, you know, once they solve those, then I think it's more realistic to talk about expanding by two teams because I think we may end up with four major league teams at some point during the next decade that are new to market, two expansion, and then the A's and Rays two, going elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the thing is that is MLB ready to expand? If so, I think, you know, now, you got great options in there, but I wouldn't put a third team in Florida. That's not going to do anybody any good. No. Yeah. No. And not, <laughs> well, not an hour, if, an hour no, and 10 minutes yeah. away from Tampa. Yeah. Well, and if you're smart about it, Phil, like if you if they do find a way to, to move the team, you know, you tie it in with Disney. And Disney, 
people will tell you, JC, you just got back from Disney. They'll tell you, right, there are certain times of the year that you go to Disney because it's not as crowded as other times. But let's all be honest with ourselves. It's always crowded at Disney. It's still crowded. So, like, you know, if you have Disney packages that you can sell in conjunction with the baseball team and stuff, mm-hmm. that'll work. You know, the I see Quantrell, you know, mentioned Louisville. Louisville won't get one. And I'll tell you why, because Louisville is right down the street from Cincinnati. And if Nashville's in line for one, um, Louisville ain't going to beat them out. And you just you just said why just a minute ago, JC, because of kind of how the fans and stuff, how it's all kind of set up. You know, it's they try to spread these things out now. Now, you know, like I, I got I had a discussion about this at one point in time with a buddy of mine who was like, well, look in the Northeast, there's teams right down the street from each other. I'm like, yeah, but that's when baseball started. Like they're not, those are unbelievable markets and they can all handle that. That's not like that across the rest of the country. Like that back then, that's, that was baseball. That was it. That's all you had. And since then, you know, you've had to expand areas that can handle it uh, much better. And they try to, 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 to cover the U S as much as they can. Um, with their expand, I mean Minnesota has a team for God's sakes, twins, right? I mean, so, um, so they're they're yes, they're going to try to hit areas. I I I I am really finding it difficult to believe it won't be Vegas and Nashville, and then from there, I don't know. But Vegas and Nashville will have teams at some point in time. Nashville more than likely a franchise. Vegas probably stealing from Oakland, if I had to guess. Yeah, Connor says Nashville and Portland feel like the most likely for expansions. I wouldn't get anywhere near Portland, man. Read the news on that one. Yeah, I don't think they're – no. I don't think they can and, do that. And it's a shame because Portland used to be one of the nicest places to live. I, I had a buddy that lived out there. He lives in Seattle now, which is not much better. But uh, uh, a buddy lived in Portland. Absolutely loved it. I used to go every summer. Um Absolutely loved uh, my time spent there, but it's fallen on some hard times thanks to some, uh, let's just say, policies yeah. that have not worked out too well. So um, I, I don't think that would be uh, – I don't think that's happening. And, and, and you know, Major League Baseball's not going to come out and ruffle any feathers about it, but that's got to be a big concern, um, you know, when you have, you know, some of the issues that – our West coast cities have at this point. And it, it's basically all of them, you know, San Diego, San Francisco, LA, uh, Oakland, Portland, Seattle, every major city on the West coast has some serious issues right now. Yeah. You can't, you can't have a, if you built a, so like some of these, like the Braves, for instance, right? The Braves, they're not in Atlanta. If you've been to Atlanta to watch a Braves game lately, you know, you got to take a little bit of a ride up I-75. It's beautiful. So they've done an unbelievable job with the battery and all of that, but they could support it by doing that. Some yeah. of these some of these franchises, uh, it, they, they have to be downtown. They've got to be – like Nashville would really do themselves a favor by basically just – bulldozing and rebuilding where the Sounders play downtown. JC, you know exactly where it is. It's an easy ballpark to get to. Nashville is flocking with people that just walk up and down the street, and and that would be a great ordeal for them. It's also easy to get in and out north of there. Um, Portland is another place where you would have to have a ballpark downtown, but you can't take that chance. Like, you you can't do it. There are, there's, there are too many people who would say it's not worth it to me because of what's going on in downtown Portland. So until they get that cleaned up, they're just going to cost themselves a bunch of money, which I think is what they're doing right now. 
Yeah, that's why Salt Lake is is intriguing. Of course, you know Salt Lake's not that far from Vegas. It looks like it on the map. It's about an hour flight. So, so I don't know if you double up in that region or not. I mean, uh, Vegas is Pacific time zone. I think Salt Lake's Mountain time. So, so maybe you do. Uh, but, but you know, what will without all the issues on the ground in Portland, Portland would make sense because they again, it's a one franchise town they've got they've got the trailblazers and and that's it i think they probably have major league soccer too i think but i don't count yeah um so it's uh uh you know portland would be i think obvious uh you know to a certain extent but i think that uh i think it's probably something they're really gonna have to look at you know i like i like salt lake city uh I, i liked reading about that and i don't hate orlando if they just simply move the rays to orlando Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. that may make sense. You know, I mean, I remember the time where the, the Houston Oilers were going to play in Memphis. Uh, Memphis has been begging for an NFL team for a long time, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then they were like, Oh, no, no, we're, we're going to move to Nashville, <laughs> you know, and become the Titans. And so that's, uh, that's the thing there, but, uh, it is fascinating. I love expansion talk, college uh, conference expansion, major, you, you name it. I like it. I think that, um, you know, anyway, Craiger says on to the Gamecocks. <laughs> well, <laughs> there we go. It's actually, first, it'll be on to a break, Craig, but we will get into some uh, South Carolina stuff here in a little while because that's kind of what we do around here. Again, Robert Brooks uh, is scheduled to join us at 12.05 on our program today, 12.05. Uh, Robert Brooks as part of our Born to Crow series, which is in conjunction with Michael Haney's uh, song that is in conjunction with – uh, Preston Thorne and Langston Moore and their Just a Chicken book series. So we're all kind of tied at the hip here, all helping each other and that type of stuff. But uh, Robert Brooks will be inducted next week into the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame. And he is one of three guests that we'll speak to this week. Don Ellerby tomorrow, Mark Burson on Thursday. So we're really looking forward to that. But we will hit a timeout. We are painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Lemmepaintsomething.com if you're in Georgia or in South Carolina. There's nobody that paints it better than these guys, and nobody gives you a better price than them either. Tristan, you'll see him from time to time as he pops in uh, to our uh, chat box and kind of has some fun with us. They are Gamecock-owned and operated, and again, they'll go anywhere, licensed and insured. LetMePaintSomething.com, a couple of painters, and as they say, go Cox. You can see it right there on their logo. We'll hit a quick timeout. Uh, and we'll get into some Gamecock baseball when we return on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance 
difference today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, all of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jakar Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. 803-446-4662 is how to get in touch with John Barber and his team. I'll talk about how they can add some sunshine into your life this summer. And, of course, the upstate realty team of Cindy Searfoss at Coldwell Banker Kane would be happy to take your call at 864-414-5271 to get in touch with Cindy for all your upstate residential real estate needs. All right, I was uh, watering. I was watering Nat's plants, guys. I thought it was the turtle. <laughs> no, I got up uh, while, while while we had this the, the couple of painters thing on. I, I got up too early and I didn't mute my mic. And uh, she, I just got a text that said, "Please water the flowers." And I left the door open, so I'm sure you heard that. So oh. I was was not taking a pee on the air, although for this show. It may happen one day. <laughs> I don't have. I, I, it's another example of my lack of mic discipline. We're working on it, folks. Just hang in there. That's right. Uh, we'll bath bathroom breaks are part of commercial breaks sometimes, and you know you got to do. You got to go when you got to go. You you, you got to go. Uh, first of all, it's so good to see everybody. And uh, hello to Big Wash. Hello, guys. Hope you're having a good day. Hope you're having a good day as well, man. We uh, we really do appreciate that. Carolina is hoping to have a good day tonight on the diamond, 4 o'clock, trying to get off the schneid here. James Hicks will start, boys and girls, but uh, he is not going to be starting. Or he won't be in there long. Uh, let's, let's say an inning or two probably at the most wherever his pitch count gets, probably 25, something like that. Basically, mid-week bullpen. Um, uh, last, v- John had a bunch of really good info in the VIP room last night, so I'm not going to regurgitate all of his hard work. Uh, if you've not read it, 
Go read it. If you're not a member of the Big Spur, probably a good time to subscribe. Uh, but put it this way, uh, Eli Jerzenbeck, he, he's not going to return in 2023. That's not a secret. I'm sure that'll be discussed a little bit more publicly after the ball game tonight with Coach Kingston. Um, it, it looks rough. And, uh, you know, with the timing of it, it's May. There's a good chance probably not going to pitch next year either, which sucks for South Carolina baseball. Um, I thought, JC, we mentioned this yesterday, he was probably, if he had a good outing over the weekend, a prime candidate to probably slide into the, the starting role. Um, y'all know me pretty well, and and I am very hesitant ever, ever to even come across as sounding like I'm questioning coaching decisions because we, regardless whether we think we have the information, we don't. They have a lot more than we have, and, and they – see these guys every day and they know what's going on. So they make decisions that they think are best for the team, not bad for the team. Um, you know, so I don't want it to sound like that. With that said, you know, I think it, it is time for a change in the rotation. I just, it's just my two cents. Um, if Coach King called me and asked me, I'd tell him that and he'd probably hang up the phone. That's fine. But, but and maybe they do make changes. I, I, I think they probably will have one or two coming this weekend. And but let me back up what I'm saying here, though. Okay, um, when you get into the postseason, all right. If you're if you let let's let's play the best case scenario here. Best case scenarios are top eight national seed. Second base or second best case scenario is there a a regional host, which means you're a top sixteen, but you're still going to host a regional, right? Um, in either one of those scenarios, you will go in as a one seed and you will play a four seed, right? Well, while there will be times, and there always are every year, where a four seed comes in and gets the hell beat out of them on Friday night by the one seed, there are also going to be times where you look up the score and you go, why was it three to two? Because you're not a four seed in a regional unless you've got a dude. That's just facts. Now, whether that guy has a rough night or not, you know, you got to play the game. But four seeds have a dude. That's why they're there. They might have two dudes. Might have more than that. And what you don't want is regardless of how good you think your Friday night guy is, to go out and not have his stuff against their guy because a four seed with a dude, probably also a guy who's going to be a high draft pick at some point in time, whether it's this year, next year, whenever, right? So to get in front of that, you know, you don't want to keep doing, if you feel like you need to make a move on Friday nights, you really don't want to do that as you're entering the postseason. You want to go ahead and make that change to somebody who can get comfortable in that role and then once you get into the post, if all goes well, you get into the postseason, and he's already had two or three Friday night starts as you enter postseason play. So you're matching a guy with a guy, right? Or it doesn't work for him when you make the change, and maybe you have to revert back to what you had, and then you're just you're just on a hope and a prayer and cr- crossing your fingers from there because that's all you got. But like you don't want to get into a regional and all of a sudden throw somebody out there on Friday night. Who had been starting on Friday night for a month. You see what I'm saying here? So if there's a time to make the move, it's probably now. Uh, you know, and I'm not, and I think Whittle made a good point yesterday, and then I'll shut up and let y'all 
chime in, but I, I'm not sure that there aren't probably two moves that need to be made right now in this rotation, if not shuffling the entire thing around. I'm not saying that pulling all three of them out of the starting rotation, but at least shuffling it all, whether that means backing up Sanders to Saturday, backing up Mahoney to, to Sunday, entering Eli Jones in on Friday, or you know, backing Sanders up to Sunday and then moving Hicks to Saturday and Jones to Friday or whatever they determine that to be the case. They have very capable weekend starters who are good. They've got to find the magic potion, pair that with health, get the catcher back behind the plate, and I think that they're going to be okay. Uh, and and they've got plenty to do damage and make a deep postseason run. That's, that's crystal clear. Two series are not going to change my opinion on that. But if, if there's a change that needs to be made, you know, it just seems like it probably should be made sooner than later. Does that make sense to anybody? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think Hicks starting tonight, if we see him pulled after two or something like that, kind of signals that, hey, he's he's going more than likely Sunday. Uh, it would not surprise me to see Becker fall back into a bullpen and, you know, maybe even switch Mahoney and, Sat- and Sanders. Put Mahoney in on Friday, Sanders on Saturday, and then – you know, Jones, or is it? Yeah, Jones, Sunday. I think I think Eli Jones may be the Friday guy, believe it or not. Well, that's, said, oh, that's yeah. what I said. Yeah, I agree. And he could be, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, he's already done will. it. Back Will yeah. back to Saturday, you know, and then – because jo- John pointed this out. Whittle pointed this out on the show that was um, – that it is, he's right. You know, when you pitch on Sunday – uh, if your other two starters have had good outings, which they're not, every nothing's going. Last two weekends, no starter has had a good outing. No. Um, it, it's almost ridiculous. You can, I mean, through those six games, you can almost count on the other team being up at least two nothing after the first inning. Um, you know, Mahoney doesn't have to go through the lineup three times. You can pull it if you've got your 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 bullpen set. Uh, but if you don't. And you happen to use all those guys on Saturday, then Sunday becomes a little more tricky. Um, so Mahoney, I think, would probably best serve going back to the Sunday starter spot, uh, move Sanders to Saturday, and then it, I guess Eli Jones would be your guy um, for Friday night. Um, he's been pretty solid, you know, this year. Uh, he got. Did he mute himself? I think you muted yourself, JC. Yeah, there you go. I don't know what happened there. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Oh, your mic cut out, and then yeah, we know we know where to find you. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, like I think one of the things, and and I and I, you know, see the question here, you know, from Craig about you know Becker. You know, what about what about Becker? Um. Uh, you know, throw them on the opening night. Here, here's where they're. Here's where the issues are on opening night. And if you go back and look at Becker's stats, they don't. It doesn't always show up in the walk column. You don't have to look at at the walk column necessarily to have control issues. You've got to throw strikes on Friday night. Well, you got to throw strikes in every game, but like you cannot continuously be pitching from behind. You can't be in 3-1 counts. You can't be in 3-2 counts. Like, you can't be in 2-0 counts. You can't be. And and 
Yeah, when you walk guys in this league, those guys are going to score. You hit guys in this league. Those guys are going to score. But most importantly, guys in this league, like they, they're they waiting on mistakes. So when, when you're down 3-1, I mean, you don't have much of an option but to kind of groove one in there, right, if you don't want to walk him. Well, in the SEC, they're going to hit that. So, like, you know, if you're getting banged around with your best stuff, so what? Hat tip. You're getting your ass beat. That happens. But, like, when you're the frustrating the frustrating part of, of what's been going on with the, with the pitching, yes, is the HBPs, yes, is the walks, but it's constantly nibbling and pitching from behind. you got to have somebody that really can get in there and attack the strike zone. And while I agree with everything that JC said yesterday, I, I think umpiring has is, is gotten bad. I think that people who have called for this, all this technology and all these robots and crap over the years, you need to get a grip and understand that that's not baseball. But guess what? The Gamecocks, they're not the only team that uses the umpires. You, you know, when you're on the field, everybody's got to play with them, right? And, and you know, so – there's some things that need to be adjusted. Now, with all of that said, this sounds like Carolina's 11 and 36. They're 36 and 11 and 14 and 9 in the league. They're not out of anything. As, as of today, they're out of nothing. They're still a top eight national seed, hanging on by a thread, but they're not out of anything. You go to Arkansas this weekend and get swept, you got problems. Okay. You got problems. Then, then you get to start figuring stuff out. You get beat tonight. You're starting to tip people off that mm, maybe this team's kind of lost their mojo and other teams can come up and claim that seed from you. They can take it right out of your back pocket, and they will. Look what Clemson's doing. So, you know, but at the same time, the reality of it is, as it stands at 11.41 a.m. on this Tuesday morning, Carolina is still in a pretty good spot. But they, they, they've got – they have options, and they're getting healthy on the offensive and defensive side, which matters. Defense has been killing them lately. And it's not – because they're not making seven errors a game. Forget that. It's the, it's the little nuances of playing the game and understanding where to go with the ball and what to do and this, that, and the other. Like, as that begins to fix itself, and it will, the, the, the pitching staff has got to attack the zone. If you get banged, you get banged. But, guys, you can't have Friday nights where you're constantly pitching. You might have a run of five, six, seven hitters where everything looks good, right? We were texting on Friday, JC, about about that. Like, you were like, you said something, and then seven batters later, you're like, oh, man, wait a second. I, I retract my statement. That's true, and that's great. But you've got to be a Friday night guy. You can't be a Friday night guy from the third to the fifth inning. you got to be a Friday night guy from the first inning on. And, and, and that really will set the tone for the weekend. And um, – Maybe they'll find it this week. Well, you got to find something because, like you said, JB, you're you, you're at this point you're in danger of playing yourself out of top eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that's yeah, the thing. Okay. This Arkansas series is big. Uh, they're hitting their stride, so the Gamecocks are again playing a team that's pretty hot. But you know, I, I was looking back. The 2010 national championship team lost two of three at Kentucky. Uh, I, I think they lost two of three to Florida to end the year with the SEC on the line. Uh, yeah. But they did go to Fayetteville and sweep Arkansas. Mm. So uh, a lot of pitchers' duels in that one. So you talking uh, about the 2010 team? Get out. 
Yeah, the twenty. I was first, I was on the, the phone with Blake Cooper, and I were on the phone for about thirty minutes this morning. We were talking about that game he pitched over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a great outing. Yeah. Um, and and they won his start at Kentucky, but here just shows you how weird it is up there. They won that game thirteen to nine. The you talking about Cooper starting twenty ten? Yeah. Do you know what happened before that game? I don't recall. They I mean, had. If you to, remind me, I will. They had to stop warming up. It was snowing so hard. Wow. <laughs> so, like, that was one of those days where it was like, I don't know what we need to do, but at the end of the day, let's just try to have one more run than the other guy. Yeah. And get the hell out of here. And they did. They yeah. Did. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Clint says it seems like they have a lot of middle relief guys versus true dominant starters. I, I don't agree with that necessarily. Uh, I think. I just think these guys are struggling. I mean, I think they're all capable, right? Uh, I don't. I don't think it's really the fact that they don't have any true starters. I think that the true starters are not performing well at the moment because um, we've all seen what these guys can do when, when they're on. I mean, Becker carved Florida up like a Christmas turkey the other day, you know, uh, and that's one of the best hitting teams in the country. So uh, James Hicks has been on a roll. Now he's not. Uh, and I am curious, you know, and, and you and Whittle both have pointed out to see what moving Cole Messina back to catcher, back to behind the plate, what that does for these pitchers. You know, could could that be sort of just that little thing? I mean, like I said, pitchers are a lot like racehorses, man. Uh, I hate to use that because, you know, nobody took Eli Jerzen back out and shot him after he was injured the other day. But, uh <laughs> You know, thank God for that. But they're, you know, he didn't get euthanized because he's got to have Tommy John. But they're they're se- they're sensitive. You know, they're, they're, you got to and and the least little thing is hard. Pitching's hard, just like hitting's hard. Yeah. Um, so the least little thing can throw it off, and and baseball's kind of a game like that. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully this thing. And Jan points out it's difficult spotting any SEC team two to four runs before you scratch. I agree, man. I mean, in, in the last six games, you know, Carolina's won one of them uh, and had to come back and get an unlikely home run for Will Tippett to do it. Uh, and that game, too, you know, I, I literally, I, so I'll tell you the story. I was following JB back uh, to where the Isle of Palms, where we were going from the event on Sunday. We are going to watch the game. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, it's 4 nothing again in the first inning. Yeah. Game guys ended up losing. And, and I was astonished. Then Sunday, we're going back to watch it at his crib. We pulled it. We pulled it up. We were at the, kind of hanging near the beach. Pulled it up on our phones. Same thing again. Down three nothing early. I mean, you just you can't you can't put yourself in a hole constantly like that in any sport and expect the outcome to be different. So, yep. I mean, and, and it's been a variety of things. I mean, shoot, you know, they were up four to nothing, four nothing on Vanderbilt, and it kind of fell apart. So, I mean, like, look, that's baseball. These things are going to happen, and I understand that. But I mean, we, it, 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 you're kind of at the time now where you've you've got to really make some decisions from a pitching standpoint of how you're going to set yourself up for the postseason. You know, and you've set yourself up nicely at fourteen and nine in the league. That's that's a fantastic record at this point in time. One of the things I'll be interested to watch going into this weekend is do what changes are made and how do they plan to attack the series? Because this is this literally this weekend, if you lose the series, 
yes, you've lost three series in a row. I understand that. But you also, if you if you win a game over there, you've guaranteed yourself 15 wins, which does matter. You also have a big-time RPI victory on the road against the top five RPI team, and you didn't get swept, which a lot of people are getting swept at Arkansas these days. Okay, so, like, do they attack one game? Do they, you know, is, is it something that they identify and say, hey, look, this is where we feel like we can really attack this game with this guy, this guy, and this guy. If all works out well, we know we we won't get swept, and then let's see what happens in these other two games by virtue. Not not throwing in the towel. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, like, do you attack one game, or do they just go ahead and try to get this thing worked out to where they kind of want to ride it out the rest of the season and, and into the postseason? So there's a lot going on. Um, starters and relievers are not interchangeable. I, I am not a believer that Will Sanders, you can just plug him into the bullpen and get him out of the rotation. All of a sudden, he's going to be better. Maybe maybe will be. I, I I don't know the answer to that question. I'm just saying they're not always interchangeable. Um, Eli Jones is a guy who's proven that if you give him a role, he'll accept that role and, and he'll really work on it. And maybe he's the guy that you put in there. Same thing with James Hicks. So we'll see. Um, but to your point, JC, and, and it, it goes back to what I was saying a little while ago, it's, 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 you, you cannot constantly keep getting behind. And when you get behind with hitters, you get behind on the scoreboard. And then you're having to crawl your way out of these holes. And they haven't been able to do that, being so limited in what, what they can do offensively and defensively with the guys that have gone down and been banged up. So it's kind of been a roller coaster. But um, but they're obviously going to look at tonight and try to get things back on track. And hopefully McGillis and Lee Croy and Wimmer and those guys, as they get healthy, will will certainly be able to provide some pop. So, All right. Well, that's that. <laughs> it is time for a timeout. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, Electric Bikes Charleston, Dot com. They are the best in the business, and that is why everybody comes from everywhere to the low country to buy them. Those who are interested, they come from the Midlands, they come from the upstate, the PD, and so on and so forth. Electrobicecharleston.com. Make sure you check out their website. Call Michelle and her team. They'll fill you in. And uh, remember, up to 28 miles per hour. I, it was, uh, I think Marcellus Dial had it up to 25 miles per hour when he was down here a couple of weeks ago. And uh, they'll travel up to 60 miles as well. So ride where you want to go and let it get you home. How about that? How's that sound? Grab a grab a roadie if you want to uh, ride along the beach or something like that. All right, uh, final timeout of the hour. Reminder, at the top of the noon hour, Robert Brooks, that Robert Brooks of South Carolina, joins us right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now, and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line, and I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one-price, low-cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs, and I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So, yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, 
Well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey, Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox. You heard Evan Stone, Gamecock fans, 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. And the first hour brought to you by Cindy Searvoss of the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate. 864-414-5271 is how to get in touch with Cindy and her team for your upstate residential real estate needs. And, of course, after this little segment, we'll be joined by Robert Brooks, former Gamecock great. Oh, Packers, Super Bowl winner, comeback player of the year. This guy's got an impressive resume. Yeah, third-round draft pick in 1992. Somebody pointed it out earlier from beautiful Greenwood, South Carolina. Greenwood has produced some football players, man. Uh, Greenwood and Rock Hill, if you could take the greats from both of those areas, like the greats, and put them in their prime and put them on the field, you'd have a hell of a game (laughs) being played. Um, so yeah, really excited to talk to Robert Brooks, who will be inducted into the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame on the 15th, if I'm correct on this. Yep. Monday, the 15th at the Columbia Metropolitan Convention Center. Uh, that ceremony, by the way, will also be streamed live on the internet on the South Carolina Athletic Hall of Fame's Facebook page. It starts at 630, um, that evening. So if you'd like to. To watch it, you can do that. In addition to Robert Brooks, Mark Person, who will join us on Thursday, former men's soccer coach at South Carolina, and uh, track and field standout Don Ellerby, who will join us tomorrow. They'll be inducted into this South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame. Clemson University will be represented by Woody Dantzler, formerly of Orangeburg-Wilkinson High School, and men's golf coach Larry Penley. And how about this, guys? Columbia's Jermaine O'Neal, who left early for the NBA after playing at Eau Claire High School. And Alvin's Joe Hamilton will also be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Chino Smith of uh, Antioch in Darlington County uh, will be enshrined posthumously for his uh, play in the Negro Leagues years ago. So, But what a class, dude. I mean, 
guys, we all watched Joe Hamilton play. We've all watched Jermaine O'Neal play. We've we've all watched uh, Robert Brooks play. I mean, these guys literally were unbelievable. No, I'm, and everybody else in there, it's it's an unbelievable class. But I'm talking about the, the baseball and the basketball guys. Holy smokes! Really strong to quite strong, I must say. Uh, yeah, Jermaine O'Neal and Joe Hamilton. There's two guys that, that left the state that the Gamecocks could have really used at, at different points. Um, uh, the Brad Scott staff did not take Joe Hamilton. But they weren't big fans. But, of course, he had a great career at Georgia Tech. And then Jermaine O'Neal broke everybody's heart and went pro like Kevin Garnett. And I don't know. There's always a – there's a lot of different stories about those two, like if they were coming to South Carolina or not. I, I tend to go with, had they not gone pro, Eddie Fogler would have gotten both of them. Um, I know there's some talk, well, O'Neal was going to go to Kentucky or Garnett was going to go to Michigan. But I just, I've heard too many conflicting stories uh, to kind of lend that a lot of credence. I think maybe, there's been there was some cover being run, you know. Gamecock fans were mad. Well, they weren't going there anyway. Whatever. But if South Carolina had gotten those two, let's say let's say Garnett wasn't a one and done, and and played because you know played two years, and then O'Neill joined him the next year with that that I guess the ninety seven ninety eight team. Yeah. Holy camole. Uh, maybe, or was it? Or was it ninety six, ninety seven? I don't know. But well, one of those teams, they would have had both those guys in the front court. Uh, guys like Wayne Gallman and, and Ryan Stack would have been backups, and then you had the, the triple threat. Uh, and then the next year, of course, uh, Davis left, but Antonio Grant was the guy. But that you had those two guys in the post to uh, what was probably the best trio of guards in the country outside of Arizona that year. Or one of those years, I think. I think that team uh, does not lose to Coppin State or Richmond in the first round. No, uh, those back-to-back seasons because I, I think I think they're uh, unreal. But you know, that's kind of how you know. In, in a lot of ways, I think decisions like that through the years, for as many Jadevian Clownies and Marcus Lattimore's and Gigi Jacksons that go the Gamecocks way, you know, there's always guys like that that, that almost you know, give you that uh, dread, I think, or that, that lack of confidence when you're when you're talking about some of these guys. Like, like it would be so great if the football team signed Logan Diggs, right? So great. Uh, he answers a lot of questions. But everybody still kind of has a hard time wrapping their head around it because, oh, man, you're going to go beat LSU on this Louisiana kid. That never happens. Uh, Gamecocks have often been – the bridesmaid and a lot of these major recruitments. And I, I'm talking no brainers. And certainly they've gotten their share, but uh, man, oh man, you know, you, you look at one of the one of the many missed opportunities or uh, tough breaks that this men's basketball program has had through the years. It's missing out on Jermaine O'Neal and, and Kevin Garnett. Yeah. There's no question about that. And the, the Joe Hamilton situation as well. Um, yeah. Hamilton would have been during the Phil Petty era. He actually have a good quarterback. All right, one of one of the best ones, no doubt. All right, it's the end of hour number one. Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner 
of Gamecock Athletics. If you've been to williams Bryce Stadium or Founders Park or Colonial Life Arena or anywhere in between, you see why every sign you see comes from the desk of Matt Vaughn and his group at, at uh, Signorama in West Columbia. Signorama.com for all your sign needs. When we return, the Born to Crow series kicks off on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I really couldn't dream of it being a better guest than this. Former great wide receiver at South Carolina and in the NFL, Robert Brooks, kind enough to pop in ahead of his enshrinement into the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame next Monday. Hang tight. We'll be right back. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more. They sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the Lowcountry. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by travelingcountryclub.com. So if y'all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options and go Cox. Welcome to travelingcountryclub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to travelingcountryclub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring to you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
big old cock is the gift And one of us chickens got to raise his first, first, first You ain't just a bird, bird, bird You're the top of the coop, star of the show You're rooster who was born to crow You're the top of the coop, star of the show You're rooster who was born to crow Born to crow Yeah, you know You gotta crow Like Big George in 1980 Mike Hold, 84 Sterling Sharp Steve Tannehill Brandon Bennett Old Eric Kimry to Jamel Kelly Ryan Brewer Marcus Connor Alshon Stefan Jadavion Yeah, they were all born to crow. And so were you. Coming up on Monday night, the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame will induct a whole handful of new members this year. And we are excited to be joined by one former wide receiver at South Carolina and in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers and the Denver Broncos, 6.30 is when the enshrinement will begin in Columbia at the Metropolitan Convention Center. You can watch it on the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame uh, Facebook page as well. But uh, Robert Brooks was one of the best we ever saw put a uniform on at Carolina. Regardless of position, he lives in Phoenix or right outside of Phoenix, Arizona now. And he has been kind enough. I mentioned to him the other day, 20 minutes, and he very humbly said, what are we going to talk about for 20 minutes? <laughs> we'll, we'll come up with a few things if you've got the right. time. But Robert Brooks, thank you so much. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Um, I, I wanted to wear my hat. I was like, you know what, because this is the way I operate every day. I have a button down and I always have a hat. You know, I'm a hat guy. So I always got some kind of hat on with some kind of logo. Oh, and when I saw you guys, I was like, I'm right at home. (laughs) (laughs) My my head's too big for a hat, so I wear the visor all the time, but I've I've been told they're they're going out of style, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, hats are welcome here, except Phil. He just likes rolling like he rolls, but, uh, all natural. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm, I'm going to go all natural for Phil. Right, yeah. That's right. That's right. Solidarity. No, normally I would have my hat on for sure. Yeah. Robert, c- c- congratulations on the hall of fame induction and, and really on a tremendous career. I mean, when I, I was, a uh, I was a, I was a younger man or a young younger kid when you started playing. I, I remember, and I want to take you back to, to uh, 1988. Everybody's worried about who's going to replace Sterling and Ryan Bethea. Right, 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 uh, right. And then here comes number 49. You know, kind of <laughs> kind of take us into that. Uh, that was an interesting year. It was Al Groh's only uh, season as an offensive yep. coach in his career. It was a change from the run and shoot, but boy. Uh, you kind of took the bull by the horns and had a spectacular season, and that facilitated a great career at Carolina. Yeah, you know, it had to been like destiny. You know, uh, Al Groh, like you said, he was there for one year. Uh, my coach, Fred Jackson, was there for only one year. Uh, I remember when the, Al Groh was recruiting me, and he just, you know, I, I just told him, I said, I, I want to be a running back, but I don't want to be redshirt. You know, so I said, but I'm a football player. And he said, well, hey, we, we'll give you an opportunity to go out there and compete as a wide receiver. 
And I said, well, I'm a football player. Let's, let's, let's try it. Um, I honestly wanted to go to Clemson uh, from an early age because I was a running back. You know, it was running back you at Clemson back then uh, when I was growing up. So I watched all the guys from Clemson, to be honest with you. And then uh, when these guys came down there with that opportunity, I, you know, I just uh, jumped at it. And I remember my um, receivers coach, Fred Jackson, he who was there again for one year. Um, he said, I'm going to go on the line. I'm going to start a true freshman here at South Carolina. And uh, the rest is history, obviously. Yeah. When you think about your, do you actually, let me ask this differently. Do you ever think about what you've accomplished in this group? Because South Carolina has produced elite wide receivers. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. How do you you compare yourself to, do you compare yourself to some of these guys? Do you feel like you were, you were a part of starting that trend? Because after you, the list just kept going. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think, you know, you, it's all about legacy. You know, you, you try to leave a legacy so somebody else can follow and better. And, um, you know, you're not expected to, to have this record or have this, uh, you know, yardage or catches or anything that uh, lasts forever um, because it's not. Um, you know, you're paving the way for other guys, and they're going to look up to you, and they're going to they're gonna emulate you in some ways, and then they're going to try to what keeps the uh, tradition going. You know, so I, I tried to embrace that from um, my time watching Sterling, obviously, and uh, and Ryan. You know, when I was being recruited there, uh, that they inspired me to want to be a wide receiver. To be honest with you, and uh, you know, because I had been a running back in high school, I think I might have caught two passes in high school. <laughs> you know, and then I come to uh, South Carolina, and I'm the starting wide receiver as a true freshman, and they expected me to go out there and make plays. You know, did those. What did what did Sterling Sharp and and Ryan Bethay? What advice did they give you? Did they? Give you? <laughs> I, I'll tell you when. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, you said, "Hey, uh, everybody's wondering who, who's going to replace Sterling Sharp." You know, I had the absolute same situation when um, Sterling got injured uh, in Green Bay. You know, who's going to replace Sterling Sharp? And I have to step up. And obviously, I'm like, "Hey, hey, over here." You know, we've got some guys uh, uh, who can play. And, um, you know, we ended up posting up a a season in 95 that really just uh, uh, did that, uh, blew the record book out uh, in Green Bay. Um, But, you know, Sterling back then, you know, the only thing he said to me was he said, rookie, get in the playbook. (laughs) 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 And that's a typical Sterling Sharp uh, remark right there. So, (laughs) Do you play golf? I do. I do. I love golf. So yeah. who's so who's better, you or Sterling? At golf? Yeah. Uh I don't yeah. know. You know, I, I've been um I've been going to this spot called the golf zone, uh simulator, and it's called Tea Times, you know, but it's a golf zone simulator. And this simulator is uh one of those deals, it's kinda like Trackman and all those things, but what, where it differs is it has an odulating floor and it has four or five different uh hitting surfaces. So you can uh, you know, if you're hitting in the sand, you drop it in the sand and it takes 35% off your shot. And you're hitting in the fairway, you know, it's normal. You're hitting in the rough, it takes a certain percentage off your shot. And then when you're on a uphill, downhill lot, it changes your life. So I've been working in that golf zone simulator. Man, I've been looking real good. So, and I play a lot of golf out here. You know, I play, you, you name it. Uh, if it's a course out here, I probably played it when I, I was fortunate when I got, um, uh, when I, graduated from school i moved to arizona 
And Bruce Allen, who was my agent at the time, he, you know, he was a GM for the Redskins, but he was an agent back then. He worked for this company called uh, Paradise Sports. So he started a company called Paradise Sports, which was owned by Golf Illustrated's owner. Uh, and so uh, Eustace Payne, you know, he had a plane. He had the, you know, the all the golf courses dialed in, and he would allow us to play on any golf course we wanted to. We could just get on them and play. And so when I first came out here in '91, I mean, I played every golf course multiple times, and and I still do to this day. So. I heard he's right, better so- than Sterling, by the way. That's what I heard. I got distracted. The mention my of Bruce Allen made my about- blood boil. <laughs> 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 yeah, Phil's a Redskin or Washington Washington fan, and Bruce Allen's probably not at the top of his list. Yeah, no, I was no, like, no, Bruce no, Allen. No, I'm no, like, whoo. No, I had no, a real. He was a really good agent, but not a very good GM. So yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I had a really visceral reaction to that, Robert. <laughs> um, well, hey, uh, tell us about the Lambo Leap because you sort of you get credit with creating it and, and really facilitating that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to ask you about that. And then uh, the second part of that is Brett Favre during his yeah. career. Uh, it was Sterling. It was you. And then when he went to the Vikings, it was Sidney Rice. So three South yeah. Carolina guys, you know. So, uh, but tell us about Lambeau Leap and then about what it was like to play with, with, uh, Brett Farth. Well, to be, to be honest, you know, um, it was the off season, I want to say of, uh, in, in 95, the off season. And that was the year Sterling got hurt in 94 in that, in that last, uh, game. I think we were playing Atlanta in, uh, in Milwaukee and he got injured. You know, I made some, made some plays at the end of the game, but there was still some speculation on who's going to, you know, replace Sterling. Sterling's retired now. And so in the offseason, I was actually in Green Bay uh, for an event or something, and I'm watching the screen. And, you know, normally in the uh, reception area, I'm watching the screen, and they're, they're replaying some old Packer footage. And uh, what came up was uh, uh, James Lofton uh, uh, scoring a touchdown and they were showing this old Packer touchdown and then Leroy Butler scoring a touchdown in 93. Um, and so it was just kind of going through the years. And what happened was James Lofton jumped in the crowd and then obviously, uh, Leroy Butler, he jumped in the crowd and, and I just thought to myself at that moment, I said, Hey, what I'm going to do next year is I'm going to adopt this as my touchdown celebration. And then everybody's going to forget about Sterling Sharp like they did in South Carolina <laughs> and they're going to embrace me finally as, uh, the go-to guy, right? <laughs> and so, make a long story short, the first time I I did it in '95 was uh, against the Giants, and I thought Mike Holmgren was gonna have a fit because we always call him Tight Mike because he was tight about everything, you know. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Mike laughed. Um, you know, I I didn't get a penalty, um, and uh, and the crowd loved it. So after that, that whole entire season, every time I scored a touchdown, I literally jumped into the crowd, and it became this craze and so in the off season of 1996 um prior to our super bowl run uh i wrote a song called jump in the stands and and that even took it higher i mean it took it to a whole nother level then it became this national thing and then all the other players start jumping in the crowd and uh, you know and then uh i think in 1999 i trademarked the the, the lambo leak which you see my trademark you know, yes. Because I started, but uh, this is my—I actually own the trademark for it. So, 
So what does that in what does that entail then? Like, is, <laughs> I mean, every time somebody jumps in the stands, do they owe you money? Or no, no, how, no, how no I can't, work? I can't, I can't stop them from jumping in the crowd. But you, know, you can't, you can't, you can't use that name on TV or in radio without my approval. So I, oh, wow. I get, I get CBS, nice. ABC, and all these guys. That, you know, they sometimes they'll say, "Hey, can we use it?" Or you know. Vice versa. So it is what it Jeez. is. So you mentioned a song. You've actually wow. got you have a record label and uh you've produced two CDs. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used, to, I, used football. Do, I used to do the record label. I've gotten into um developing apps and things like that now. I'm just I, I just like to be creative. Um, you know, that th- these are kind of like my my uh my my uh what do you want to call it? my hobbies. Things mm-hmm. that I like to do. If I'm not doing anything, I'll write a song. If I'm not doing anything, I'll develop an app. If I'm not doing anything, I'll, you know, you know, I just like to be creative. So where are you right now? What, 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 do you have a day job or? Uh, Well, I I don't, I kind of work for myself. I I have a, um, uh, you know, I I created an app for uh, my, um, I have a small ministry that I started back in, in the, uh, in 99, yeah, 99. And when I was still playing in Green Bay, uh, then I have a, um, a commercial real estate uh, business that I that I kind of handle. But, you know, once I lock leases in for 15 or 20 years, there's not a whole lot to do other than try yeah. to find another project. You know what I mean? So sure. that's kind of what I do, man. So I show up at my office and a lot of days I don't have anything to do. A lot of days I have to create something to do. There you go. And I'll, I'll start doodling on paper and creating something so the weather's so nice out there man it's as yeah i mean it, it's uh i love being out in field last time i was out there was for the gamecocks when they played in the final four back in yeah. 2017 but love to go love phoenix that's a great yeah. area uh to i've been here in. i've been here a little too long though so it's it's, it's uh <laughs> old. Do you, i'm thinking about moving back to south carolina to be honest so. i was about I to ask you. you do you do you miss home i mean when is the last time you walked into williams price stadium uh, you know, I go, I go to games every year. So I went to a okay. couple of games this past season and, uh, you know, last year, you know, I'm just, I'm low key. I'm kind of low profile. You know, I just do my thing and, you know, don't have to make a scene about anything. Just go enjoy no. it and, and be one of the fans, man. What, what do you, what do you think about Shane Beamer and the job he's doing at Carolina so far? And, uh, you know, their big wins last year, uh, over Clemson and Tennessee. Well, I, you know, I think he's doing an awesome, awesome job. You know, the great thing about, you know, him is he loves the school. He loves the, the you know, the community. Uh, and that's the kind of coach you need down there. You need somebody who understands the, the talent that's in South Carolina and Georgia and, and Florida, just right around there, right in your neighborhood. Um, and I think he has a good um, beat on that. And, and I think that's why he's going to be a great coach for a long time. Robert, when you walk into and you, hey, by the way, I know we've had you on for about fifteen minutes. So if you need to, cut <laughs> it off, you you cut us off. Um, yeah, we figured out how much you know, we we do have a lot to talk about. I, I told you, yeah, we, we're <laughs> JC's a talker. I'm a talker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Phil's not a talker, and we feel bad for. We're trying to get him to talk more, but uh, right. so when when you walk, you've you've watched the transformation. I remember in the '80s walking into Williams Price my first time, and and back then of. Of course, it 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 still it felt magical like it does today. But when you when you pull up to Williams yep. Price Stadium now and you look around and you take yourself back thirty years or so, yep. where does your mind go? What do you see? Well, you know, I, I told my wife wanted to know what it was like when we first before we uh, when we first got married and before we ever took into a game. I said, you know, 
South Carolina is a hype stadium. I say it's one of the best atmospheres you're gonna, uh, you know, you know, experience in college football. Um, I said our problem is we haven't been able to get those elite quarterbacks, you know, uh, in our program. And I said because when you get that elite quarterback, you know, that's what kind of takes it to that next level. Um, and I said, you know, when we get that elite quarterback, you'll see what happens. I think that's what's happening now with the young kid they have now. The rat, you know, Rattler, um, he is from Arizona. He's at, he goes back and forth. Yeah, yeah, I watched him play in high school. I watched him play in high school, played against my really? sons in high school. And I remember we had a defense coordinator for our, uh, I used to do some analyzing and, you know, scouting for uh, my son's, uh, high school team at Brophy. And I told him, I said, this kid, Spencer Rattler, I watched all of his film. You know, I watched him play against all the big, you know, uh, teams here in Arizona. And I, I just told the coach, uh, and he's he was an ex um, NFL defense coordinator. I just said, do not blitz this kid because he will shred us. Okay, and of course, you know he's an NFL guy. You know, just came on. And, uh, he, he's like, I'm gonna blitz the ashit out of him. And he said, and, and he's not gonna know what hit him because I got some defenses that he's never seen. And of course, Spencer puts up 38 points. I think they beat us 38 to 35, and um, you know. I, I watched the kid in high school, and he is he is outstanding. Um, it's, it took him a little time to pick up the system at South Carolina, but I can promise you uh, this year he is going to light that place up. You And, again, we could do this for all day with you. You, you, <laughs> you not only played in the NFL, you were a stud in the NFL. You know what a quote-unquote NFL system is. Yeah. And going into last year, not to, to rehash bad memories for anybody right. or anything like that. And this conversation is about you, but I just want to pick your brain. Right. Um, you know, we, we were led to believe that there was this, you know, this NFL pro quote pro style offense that we were going yeah. to get at South Carolina. Right. What what did you see as Robert Brooks? Well, Early on, I, I think uh, Spencer was having a problem, um, you know, picking up the system, and I think they dumbed it down for him a little bit so he could get some confidence. Um, you know, I, simple things like uh, just setting his protection, uh, you know, sl- which way you're going to slide your line, which way you're going to slide the back, you know, putting the back on the on the, on the the linebacker instead of on a big. And it's just little things like that that in the NFL, you know, Brett Favre had the same problem when he first came in the league. He had played, I think, Mississippi State or um, – uh, I'm not sure where he played in college. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But Southern, Southern Miss. Southern, Southern Miss. Southern Miss. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, where he kind of ran a wishbone. And, and, and so uh, Glanville traded Brett because he thought he couldn't pick the system up, you know. Um, Mike Holmgren obviously brought him in and he was frustrated with him early on, but he saw the arm talent. And once he started to understand the pro system and how everything on you know, one play, uh, you know, feeds off another play, your, your running play is going to, your pass play is going to look like that running play. And then we're going to, you know, we'll boot out of it and we'll drop back out of the face and so forth. And so, so you're always setting things up constantly through the, throughout the game. And, um, and I think, that's what is happening to Spencer where he uh, came into a system that they had to dumb it down a little bit for him. Uh, and, then, you know, so he can now slow the game down, 
you know, get his protection set properly. And I think a lot of the plays were, were scripted where he couldn't check in and out of the plays. I think you're going to see a lot of him checking in and out of plays and getting in the proper play that he wants because that's what happens in the NFL. It's a chess match. You know, you're checking in and out of play. The defense checks out of that play, and sometimes you go back to a play. Or sometimes you'll check out of that play, and, and you're out. You know, it's a chess match. And it's between the quarterback and the uh, the uh, middle linebacker, whoever's calling the defense. So um, I, I think he'll do a lot better job uh, this season. I bet he wishes he had a guy named Robert Brooks to throw the football to. <laughs> he's got some great. He's got some great guys out there, man. I can yeah. tell you, I, I love the guys that he has playing. I'm I'm glad uh, those guys. You know, a few of those guys came back to uh, to South Carolina to finish up with them. I think they, you're gonna have see some spectacular football. Well, Juice Wells is special, and and they got a guy named Nick Harbor coming in this year. I'm sure you've heard of him, right? Yeah. He's uh he's only, I mean, the maybe the fastest human on earth right now, and. What you know, just real quick, again out of curiosity, a freshman, big time stud wide receiver walking into an SEC program. What's his learning right. curve going to look like in August? Well, I mean, if from my perspective, you know, I just went in and said, "Hey, I'm the best. I'm going to compete." You know, so if he's a competitor and he's uh, not afraid of competing, he's going to do fine. He'll settle in quickly. Um, you know, it's when you start to think that, hey, you know, what I've done, you know, doesn't equate or doesn't translate to this this level of game, and it does. If you've been a stud wherever you were, you're gonna be a stud wherever you wherever you're going. If you don't lose your confidence and you don't uh, start to, you know, I always see say uh, as long as you don't see men walking like trees, you know, that's a verse from the Bible where. Uh, you don't want to see men being bigger than what they are. You know, they're just men like you. They're guys like you. You know. Um, they get afraid. They get nervous. Uh, you know, there are times when they're confident and they feel like they can't. They're invincible. So, and you feel the same way. So, as long as you keep that perspective, he'll be fine. Is there? Do you have any one play that stands out in your career, college or pro? One that stands out more than all the others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, the one-handed catch against Georgia uh, was a. Was a uh, big in my career, you know. I think uh, I don't know the first couple of games. I had a few catches, and you know, the, you know. Remember, I'm starting as a true freshman, and I'm, I'm, you know, the hook is ready to grab me at any time. So if I if I have any one bad game, <laughs> uh, that hook's coming out right. And uh, so I, I made it to the Georgia game. You know, we were ranked; they were ranked, and um, uh, and made some plays in that game that was, uh, you know, that just made a difference in the game. And I think that's. Uh, the big memory uh, from college uh, in the pros, there was uh, uh, the 99 yard uh, play against uh, the bears where, you know, again, same situation where uh, first two or three games, n- nothing spectacular, you know, by me, um, but I- I'm replacing Sterling. So I'm the go-to guy. I'm the Z receiver. Um, I'm the guy that moving around and trying to get the ball to and get open and uh, in that game, I think he had eight or nine catches, a couple touchdowns, and, and I had that 99-yarder um, that solidified me as the guilty guy and the starter and, uh, from from then on. And, and I think that's that's a great memory because uh, I can remember it like it was yesterday, you know, those who played. 99 yards. 99, yeah. yeah. That feel like running for 99 miles. I mean, like, what are you thinking? You're like, is nobody really going to tackle me? I'm – I'm still going right. here, boys. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but when you, you, you know the funny thing about that play is um, uh, Donnell Wolford obviously was the uh, the corner 
for the Bears and, you know, battling with him in college. And, and, and so I knew that that guy well. And, and all week long we practiced that play that, you know, we call it sluggos, a slant and go. And uh, uh, we knew we were going to get him because he, he, he would always, uh, you know, stick his nose in on slant routes. You know, he was all over slant routes, so you couldn't throw slant. That was our bread and butter. Third down, we're going to a slant. You know it. We're going to run it regardless of whether you know it or not, and we were going to complete it, right? And so they knew that, and so we knew he was going to jump the play. Uh, so it was just a matter of, you know, Brett making it throw and me making the catch, and then just don't let nobody catch it, right? <laughs> That's interesting. So have you run into other times, you know, in the league where you had familiarity with the defensive player and were able to pick up on some tendencies and use that against them? Yeah, well, I mean, you you know, we play Bears twice a year. So, sure, you know, your guys in your division, you're going to know those guys like a back in hand. I mean, we, when we played the Cowboys, I think in 95 in the NFC Championship game, we knew we could score on them, even though they had Dion and they had, um, I think, Brown on the other side. And they had, um, uh, God, what's the, uh, uh, the safety? He's a great safety. I think a Hall of Fame safety. I mean, but they had a Hall of Fame defense. Their whole defense was Hall of Fame that year. We knew we could score on them. Um, there were some tendencies that they had that Mike picked up on where uh, Dion, you know, where he lined up on, on the, on our, on our left side. If you, if you stayed in the formation, you know, Dion was going to lock on you man to man. Anytime you would motion because that was Dion's, uh, that was what he did not do well. He did not travel, you know, so, so they did not ever want Dion to motion and try to chase a receiver across the field. Cause that was never his, uh, his strong suit. And most people didn't know that. So every time we played the Cowboys and we played against uh, Dion, we would just short motion or we, you know, motion and back. And then that would take them out of their man coverage and we could get whatever we wanted. And so we knew we could score points on them. They, they literally couldn't stop us in that game. I think we, we threw a pick in the last uh, drive or something. Uh, uh, got stopped on a route and that, that, you know, ended up losing the game for us by a couple of points. So. You think you think uh, you think Dion would admit that these days? How, how about course, him at course, Colorado, of man? Of course not. He would never admit that. It's Dion. <laughs> he, he's such a great player, though. He's such a you know unique mm-hmm. talent. You know, um, yeah. Dion Sanders, man. He he was outstanding in in college. Um, you know, he's the only guy I would tell you say, that I would always say he could pick off a, a hitch route. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. or smoke, he could pick it off. So he was just that fast. Well, man, we'll, we'll let you run here in just a minute, but but I, I do have to ask you, when you got the call that you were going to be inducted into the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame, these are the greatest folks in athletics to ever come out of this state, and you know as well as anybody, this state has produced elite people for a long, long time in, in, all, uh, in all different corners of athletics. Um, did you expect that? What was what was your reaction? I, I did not expect it. Um, to be honest, I, I um, you know, I, again, I, I tried to play the best of my ability. I was always thought of being too small and and uh, not durable enough, and all these different things. And you know, you know, a lot of my <laughs> goal was just to prove that wrong. Um, uh, but when I did get the uh, the call, I felt it was a great honor. Um, uh, I had plans to go to my son's track meet and just from my wife and my son and us talking, uh, it was like, you know, you got to go and receive the, the award. You know, you got to go and accept it in person, you know, 
um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go to another track meet at another time, but, you know, go and accept the award. So I, I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll do that. I think it's a great honor. And I am, I'm, I'm definitely honored, um, uh, that people see me in that light. Uh, hopefully I've, I've been an inspiration and been able to, um, it, it's been fun for me. So oh, I think, I think an inspiration is an understatement to this state. Three kids. How old are your children? Well, uh, Let's be in the conversation there. We'll we'll talk about it another time. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, just want to say, you know, uh, with with track and stuff like that, you know, best of luck to the, best of luck to their athletic endeavors and in, in the whole nine yards. But um, but uh, man, we cannot thank you enough for for joining us. Congratulations! Uh, it's going yeah, to be definitely great. appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. Thanks for having me on. Um, uh, you guys were great. I appreciate it. And we went way more than 20 minutes or 15 <laughs> minutes. <right? laughs> we did have a lot more to talk about. You were right. That's right. <laughs> well, we, you know, we try to have fun and, 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 and you, you know, you're a wealth of knowledge, but, uh, but you know, for, we have, a, we have a very large audience and we knew dang well, they want to hear from you. So thank you for spending yeah. the time with us. Can't wait to watch it on Monday night. Well, thanks for having me, man. You guys have a great day. There you go. Thank Wide you. receiver. Robert Brooks, uh, who is, which is awesome that he just sneaks in and out of South Carolina every year and watches the Gamecocks play, yeah. and you never really? know he'll show up. A, a guy that probably is a little underrated, uh, and it's probably because he he kind of started what I, what I like to call the the, the freshman uh, sensations, yeah. <laughs> receiver wise at Carolina, mm-hmm. and, and and they kind of all. It was him, Zola Davis, Jamel Kelly, right there in that era where, you know, people remember him for that freshman year. They forget he played three more years just because you had that transition from Joe Morrison to Sparky Woods, uh, from Todd Ellis to Bobby Fuller, um, you know, old Dickie DeMazey thrown in there in 89. Uh, same thing happened with Jamel Kelly. He started off great, and then uh, all of a sudden the program went 1-21. and over two years and then came back in 2000 and obviously made a spectacular catch. And he's remembered for that. Um, it's, I think, I think Robert's probably a little bit uh, undervalued as far as like a guy that has just killed it in the NFL uh, and had a daggum good career at Carolina. Um, sort of like Debo Samuel a little bit, you know, I think uh, Debo, when people look back, um, you know, we'll, we'll remember him as a great pro, uh, and a guy that made a lot of wild plays at Carolina during kind of a, a so-so time with the program. Yeah, he uh, absolutely. I mean, and somebody mentioned it earlier as well in the uh, in the uh, Nana's porch chat box that he looks like still play. Probably yeah. could still play, as a matter of fact. So just uh, outstanding to, to to hear from Robert Brooks again. Six thirty on Monday night is when you'll be able to uh, watch that if you're not going. Uh, at the Columbia Convention Center. Uh, you'll be able to watch it on Facebook on the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame Facebook page. Don Ellerby will join us tomorrow as well. Mark Burson will join us on Thursday. This is all part of our new Born to Crow series in partnership with Michael Haney on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. And uh, we'll be doing this weekly uh, moving forward for as long as we live, it seems like. Uh, so certainly looking forward to that. <laughs> All right, we're teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. TravelingCountryClub.com is the coolest club in the Carolinas. Almost 45 golf courses, including now Mount Mitchell, 
up in North Carolina. They've got great courses from the coast to the mountains, Midland, Santee, anywhere you want to go. A very low monthly rate, incredible courses, and a dang good time. It's the coolest club that you can be a part of. I'm honored to be a part of it. And as we often say, it is Gamecock owned and operated. So if you want to play golf and you like to just get out of your comfort zone, maybe you live down here in the low country or you live uh, in the upstate and you'd like to travel somewhere else and looking for a good course to play, this is the best way to do it. It will save you money. I promise you that. Head to travelingcountryclub.com for more information. Time out. We'll be right back. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Fossil, Caldwell, Banker, Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe will you? And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Cole Messina from the Yardcocks. Electric bikes at Charleston Powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. 803-446-4662 is how to get in touch with John Barber and his team down there. Or send him an email at johnb at expresssunrooms.com to talk about potentially enclosing a porch or a patio for you to enjoy your summer bug free. By the way, uh, for for those of you wondering, you know, when, when I asked him if it, if it was three kids that he had, just a privacy thing we're, we're just texting back and forth. It's it, literally, there's nothing more to it. Um, he just doesn't 
want them to be known as Robert Brooks's kids, basically. So um, nothing more to Which that is, at all. A lot of guys are like that. A lot, it's either, it's either, I've noticed with professional athletes, it's one or the other. You know, yeah. either they and, and that's perfectly normal and fine. And you know, it, it was a, it was just kind of a throwaway question there at the end. But uh, you certainly can respect that. I mean, really good guest and very gracious. Um, had a lot of good things to say about Carolina, and like like I said earlier, he didn't play during the easiest time. Okay, no. No. a lot of those guys that played during that that period when Joe Morrison died and Sparky took over, and then all of a sudden. You know, some of them, unfortunately, had to go into the SEC and play in that situation for the first. I mean, the, the program during that was a very volatile deal during that time because you had the steroid scandal that broke in 88. Uh, Morrison died in early 89. You had a fiasco of a coaching search that ended in Sparky Woods when Jimmy Satterfield, an alum, uh, was at Furman and winning national championships at the time, coming off a national championship in 88. Uh, wouldn't come because they wouldn't pay him enough uh, to to hire a staff, and they knew they were going to the SEC. Uh, you had Todd Ellis's injury in '89 that derailed that season. You turned down two bowl games in '89 and '90 as an administration, uh, back when there were only like 16 bowls, and so you, you're getting to one was getting to the Independence Bowl was actually a big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a lot of guys from that era are really still cool, but then a lot of guys aren't, you know, um, you know, we've all heard the stories about Sterling Sharp. Sterling's uh, probably got that, that legend of him not liking the program or whatever is probably uh, been way blown out of proportion. I mean, he's played golf with Spurrier at that uh, peach bowl challenge and all that and has his Gamecock stuff on all the time. But, you know, there were there. So for him to be, you know, it's positive about the situation uh, for him to kill, still go to games and come in. Uh, you know, uh, I think that says a lot about uh, his personal experience at, at South Carolina, which, which, like I said, during that era, it wasn't always a given that that would happen. Well, and I and I think too, you know, with Robert Brooks, and and again, you know, he is a he is a very private individual, um, and he's. And he, you know, basically pointed that out. You know, he slips in for a couple of games a year, flies in from Arizona and flies out and doesn't tell anybody he's there. Uh, it, it, who knows? I don't know if he if he asked for tickets or not. Doesn't seem that way. Seems like he just goes and buys some tickets and brings his family, watches the game and leaves. Um, and, and he might want to keep it that way. But also, you know, if there is an opportunity uh, for guys like him to be more – involved in the program and I'm not talking about every day hanging around where they have an office on campus or anything like that but I you know it it is good that one of the things that South Carolina missed over the years to kind of revert and then come back to the point and we all know this if you've been around this program you know this this is the one thing Carolina baseball has never screwed up Carolina baseball has always had this right Carolina football didn't it was there is great history here when it comes to players South Carolina has produced a ton of outstanding football players that have gone on to do incredible things in the NFL and other areas. Their issue was making sure that they always had a way for them to be welcome home without having to jump through hoops to do that and connecting the past with the present with the future. And Coach Spurrier started to change a lot of that. 
And Coach Muschamp was also very open in, in trying to help change a lot of that as well. Nobody has done it yet like Coach Beamer is doing it, um, where, where he's really kind of kicking that door open going, you don't have to call anybody. You just show up and knock on the door and say, hi, it's, I'm Robert Brooks. And they say, oh, sweet Jesus, come on in. You know, have at it. Do whatever you want. And um, and that's where they had a major issue for a while. And there were players that were frustrated by that. It wasn't just Sterling. There were a lot of other guys um, from previous eras. But you don't find a ton of those guys, if you've noticed, right, from about the last 20 years. You know, they've, they've really, you know, even the ones that are a little bit louder than others, you know, they, they have been very welcome. Some of them ask for things that they're not entitled to and shouldn't be entitled to, like, I don't know, staff positions. But that happens everywhere. Um, a lot of these other guys, like, JC, if you were, think about it this way. You're here in the state of South Carolina. You've got a son who is a high school football player. He's on a visit for a week for a game one weekend, and you walk in and you see Robert Brooks or you see Brandon Bennett or you see whoever, Sterling Sharp or whatever it is. There's an instant connection there because you as dad are going, I watched this guy play, and he went on to play X number of years in the NFL. Does that mean that that's going to help them sign your kid? I'm not necessarily saying that. But Alabama's been really good about building this family tradition for a long time. You know, Georgia's been good about this. You know, the elite programs have done that, and, and Carolina has made some mistakes in that department at times, but they've done a lot better job of putting it together. And boy, it sure would be neat to see a guy like Robert Brooks standing in the hallway when you're walking in on a Friday afternoon or something like that. Yeah, well, like he said, you know, when he was talking about Coach Beamer, he talked about somebody that understands the place. That's South, South Carolina isn't Alabama, you know. Right, exactly. Uh, Dabo's Dabo was right about that, <laughs> you know, uh, in that uh, ill ill timed rant <laughs> that he made after then he went on to lose two more in a row. But uh, it, it, it's a unique place, and uh, programs that ascend in this sport that aren't quote unquote blue bloods they become somewhat unique. And, and, and you talk about Clemson and Oregon, uh, who are the two big examples. I think Kansas State, Virginia Tech can be considered uh, in that category as well. I mean, hell, K-State just won the Big 12 again. Again, you know, yeah. and Bill Snyder's not the coach there anymore. They were the worst program in college football. Yeah. Kansas State, the yeah. worst. Uh, it, it, programs that ascend, uh, there's something about them that, that, that's unique. Uh, for Clemson, it'd be like the Dabo thing, the the, the Dabo philosophy that, that makes them unique, and you know probably their the their stadium. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I know the audience don't want to hear this. Kids like their colors. Trust me, I covered national recruiting for fifteen years. Kids really dig their colors. I don't know why. I'm not an orange and purple person. Uh, I, I, it looks terrible on me. Uh, always has. Uh, I don't know what I'd probably wear a lot of white if I were a Clemson fan, right? Um, they <laughs> like that, uh, you know. And, and, and Dabo's a unique individual, so you got that Virginia Tech with how they do it in state recruiting, uh, and Beamer Ball with their special teams. And then, lo and behold, a guy named Michael Vick came along, right? Mm. And, and that got them going. 
Uh, Oregon's done it largely through being very patient with coaches through the years, having, for the most part, coaching stability up until recently. And, uh, you know, Rich Brooks was there 17 years. Finally got to the Rose Bowl his last year. Had a ton of losing seasons. Mike Bellotti takes over for him, takes to the next level. They almost play for a national title. Chip Kelly does play for a national title. Turns it over to Mark Helfrich, he, and he plays for another one. Uh, and meanwhile, the Nike money's pouring in. You know, so Nike and, and the uniforms, and all, that's what's made Oregon an ascender. And, and, and at all these places that have it, and there's very few that have, but of all these places that have guys, the, the coach – who's leading has been able to tap into the uniqueness of the program and embrace it. What do we have that other people don't have? Let's embrace it. You know, that's what, that's why like, you know, Spurrier, when he first got here, you know, Clemson used to beat Carolina to death with the fact that the Gamecocks were located in Columbia. Oh, the scare, they scare kids. Kids from these small towns in South Carolina. Well, you don't want to go there. It's a big city. Like, 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 like it's like, you know, uh, Brownsville, New York or someplace, you know, like, 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 yeah. like, like it's like, it's like, it's LA, like welcome to the jungle, the concrete jungle, you know, they used to beat them to death. Well, starting with Spurrier rolling through with Muschamp who really emphasized it. And now Beamer, especially when do you ever hear of that being a negative anymore? You don't No. no. Columbia is a positive and it always has been. But, it, it, you know, Lou Holtz didn't know how to defend it. You know, and it took Spurrier a couple of years to figure it out. But, uh, you know, shoot, all right, well, Columbia's a pretty good place. We love living here. Oh, shoot. Uh, you know, uh, you're an hour from the mountains and beach, you know, and, 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 and an hour from Charlotte, two hours from Atlanta. I mean, there's a lot of great things about Columbia compared to the other place. Trust me. But it was never something that uh, – you know, that the people embrace Utah under Kyle Whittingham, Craig. Yeah, I, I think Utah, they were close to getting in the playoff a couple of years ago when Oregon cut them in the Pac-12. Uh, Kansas State one year was a play away from being in the BCS National Championship game, lost to A&M in the Big 12 title game. Fell all the way to the Alamo Bowl, too, on never show. It's the Michael Bishop team, uh, and Oregon's played for it. So I, I would have Utah right under them. But yeah, and with and that with that thing, it's Urban Meyer had a defensive coordinator named Kyle Whittingham, <laughs> and Whittingham just took the job and has been rolling ever since. Uh, I would put Utah kind of in the same category uh, as TCU, uh, which which is odd because you have the new coach taking them to play for a national title, uh, whereas the old coach is the one that put in the work through all those conference transitions, whatever, Gary Patterson. Um, and so that's a little different. But, yeah, I, I, TCU, Utah are kind of right there too, uh, mm-hmm. I would say. But um, it's hard. It, this sport is is probably the most difficult to ascend in. Think about what we just talked about earlier. The Tampa Bay Devil Rays, or the Rays, whatever you want to call them, uh, they're the best team in baseball right now. Okay, it's not the Yankees right now. You know, uh, think about the Golden State Warriors, how crappy they were for forever laughing stock. You know, the NFL has a, they rise and fall like the tides in that league. The Jacksonville Jaguars went actually to the second round of the playoffs this year. Right. I mean, think about that for a minute. Uh, college baseball, you'll have a Fresno State, you'll have an Oregon State come up, South Carolina ascended. You know, the SEC is loaded. You know, college basketball, you know, teams come, teams go. 
College football, when has it happened? It hasn't. It doesn't. It, it's rare. And when it does, it means, you know, South Carolina. Uh, I mean, it, it means that whoever's the coach at this place has tapped into that uniqueness. And I think that that's uh, one of the big things Beamer has done better than anyone else has had the, had the job here, including Coach Spurrier and whoever else. Yeah, well, the head coach is the chief marketer for your team. So if he's inept at that job, you're going nowhere fast. Well, but it, it, well now n- <laughs> now he is. Yeah. Not the old days. I no, assure no, you, no, no. Uh, Joe yeah. Morrison wasn't going to be tweeting if uh, Twitter was around back in the 80s. Joe <laughs> uh, Morrison, the Marlboro man. Yeah, he put a cigarette out on his cell phone before he did that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that ain't happening. So, But, yeah, the game has changed. And yeah, it's today's time, right. Let me make this point, though. All right, when Joe Morrison, when he passed away, was considered at the time the greatest coach in program history. Think about that dude. Okay, that dude was unique, right? That dude was really, I mean, <laughs> the man in black, right? Uh, ran the, the veer and then switched all of a sudden to the run and shoot out of nowhere. Um, could recruit really, really well. Uh, we're all black on the sideline. Smoke Marlboros. Uh, 2001 started uh, as a tradition when he was the coach during his first year. Mm-hmm. You know, think about the stamp that the the coach Morrison still really has on this program. Sure. And and you know he wasn't the guy from West Virginia and Texas Tech like Carlin was. He wasn't the guy that won a national championship at LSU like. Paul Dietzel. Joe Morrison went to Chattanooga, had a couple of good years, parlayed that in New Mexico, won at freaking New Mexico, won 11 daggum games at New Mexico, then came back and took the South Carolina gig and uh, and and took the them at the time to heights they had never seen uh, and then unfortunately passed away. I mean, it, it, it's it, – and he was a unique guy. I mean, uh, even like the Hall – even Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier, uh, although they were – guys that will largely be remembered for what they did elsewhere. I mean, those are two pretty unique people as well. I mean, you know, and you, you know, they, they kind of put their own uh, spin on it, you know, and and I think you need that. And and I think that's uh, one of the things, if, you know, you had a criticism of Will Muschamp, uh, I think Will Muschamp likes to do things like Will Muschamp has been taught and learned, uh, which works in, in some places, but in some places it doesn't. And unfortunately, uh, he took the job at one place where they want to do things Steve's way <laughs> uh, all the time. 